strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his theme song applied to our next guest recently. Dan doesn't like it. Pulling out the hits. Good gold. When, when Dan's away, Jarrett will play. <laughs> Tim ring in for big today. We'll talk Suns basketball right now with our insider from Arizona Sports, Kellen Olson, who joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, how are you today, sir? Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Just really excited to be on the show and uh yeah i was waiting for the bit you set it up really well there jared usually elevates the song to a preposterous level when the drop comes in so yeah. someone gets interrupted and i don't know if it just happened there i couldn't really tell but it did. shenanigans when dan is away is yeah always. kellen i the, the the song being played at preposterous levels i mean that's probably more tied to jared's board work skills <laughs> I wonder what people expect, like, to see Jarrett look at. Do they expect, like, Homer Simpson working at the nuclear power plant? Is that what they picture when Jarrett is working the board? Why, he's some brutish oaf in Sector 7G. <laughs> there you go. You All got right. the reference. Sun's uh, heading on the road now to take on New Orleans today and uh, on Sunday. And look, the last two samples we've had from the Phoenix Suns have not been all that encouraging. And, you know, after all the success they've had the last two years, when you have a stretch like this, it concerns some people. Where are you on that concern scale right now with the Suns, Kellen? I think I'm just back to the concern level. If if I wasn't there from after game seven, I wouldn't say that it's elevated in any way from then. But as I wrote on ArizonaSports.com, it was just a reminder of kind of where we're at with this team, just in terms of wondering if they were going to get over that type of loss. And you can read into these two games and say they didn't get over the loss. You can say that I don't think you can say they did, obviously, after the way that those two losses went and one of them being in Dallas specifically, and just how you were in the arena, Dan, you were right in the same seat you were like me for Game 7 that you were on Wednesday, and like the similarities there were, were just crazy and just the, the way that the team quite honestly quit uh, once they were down 20, 25, 30 points. It's just they completely just like fell out of that game and, yeah. and the way that they got there too, just like pressing and pressing. And then all of a sudden it just seems like they're playing with this like anger and they're just like mad. And then that's where he got to like Booker really forcing his shot, him fouling a bunch. It was just, and then, and then they just fell out of the game completely. And it just felt like game seven so much that <clears throat> it was a reminder of kind of getting back to the, that type of game in the playoffs on that stage. And this one again, was a gigantic stage. It wasn't game seven of a playoff series by any means, but it was a primetime game on ESPN that you're the number one team in the West hosting the number one team in the East. It's a huge game. I'm talking to people pregame uh, from the Boston side and just kind of saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait for this one because especially after losses, this team always gets up. And so to see them play like that, uh, I don't think there's any way not to be concerned, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not saying the Suns should make an absolute panic trade right now and uh, try and recircuit things, but I also think that it just kind of re- enforces everything we've been talking about as potential problems with this team for the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Kelly, when, when Booker feels, and I got the sense, especially late in the first, and some of this was because the bench was in at that point, except for Book, obviously, and they weren't doing a darn thing. So Book was like, all right, I got to try to generate some stuff on my own here. And he wasn't having success getting to the rim. But that all began, too, with Bridges and Aiton just having all kinds of problems, putting the ball in the basket, putting themselves in position to score. 
they kind of look like spectators out there. I mean, is there anything you can put your finger on with what was going on with those two guys specifically Wednesday night early in that ball game? Because they looked like they were both out to lunch. I think it was just exactly what you outlined, Tim, and I think it just more speaks to how right now DeAndre and Mikel, for as much as they've improved over the last couple of seasons and, and quite honestly have improved this season, like they've been better this year than they were last year, they're still not ready to be that guy who in a pinch is the number two option to Devin when they need it. And I think that's the the difficult part about all of this is that one it's one of those things right now where it's almost by a committee, right? Like it's like, okay, if Chris doesn't have it this night, then they go to DeAndre. If DeAndre doesn't have it, Mikel can get, get in. If the matchup works for Cam, they can go to – you know what I mean? There's just so many different nights where it changes who, who they're going to go with. And, and that's not the reason why they're not able to do it, but it's just they're not at the stages of their career right now where eight times, nine times, seven times, even even six times out of ten nights, they're going to be able to be that reliable number two option offensively, and that's why they need it to be Chris Paul right now. And with the way that Chris looked to start the year and just how, how he hasn't looked like the point guard yet, we'll see in, a, in another 10 to 15 games right now. It's not fair to look at one game from him coming back from injury against an yeah. opponent like that. And just say, oh yeah, like he's he's not Chris Paul anymore. We need to give him another month here. But yes. if we look at his play here a month, two months in, and we're approaching that trade deadline, and nothing big has happened yet, that's where you have to seriously wonder. Okay, like should they make a big? Not even wonder. You should probably just think, yeah, they need to make a big time move and try and get that number two option offensively in here if they want to truly try and do everything they possibly can to win a championship this year. And if they don't, and they just kind of want to maintain their flexibility around Devin, DeAndre, Mikel, Cam Johnson, then, then that's what they can do as well. And I, I think it's there's an argument for both sides of that. But I think that's the most interesting thing that could happen here over the next month to six weeks because I think, Tim, you're not going to get blowouts like Wednesday, of course, but you are going to have games like that where we're nine minutes in and it's like, okay, Devin's the only one who's been able to really do anything yeah. here for a couple of possessions, and he's going to need to keep doing it. And then that's where, of course, you wonder about him wearing down in playoff series or just like the Dallas series where a team tries to eliminate him from the, the series yes. defensively, does those successfully, and they've got nothing else to do. Kellen Olson, our son's insider from Arizona Sports, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I want to go back and focus a little bit on Chris Paul, and I think your assessment is correct. It's only 11 games that he's played this year, one game since returning from the injury. So ultimately, it's not fair. But but in real time, and I, I, I we looked at some of his numbers early this year, earlier in today's show, uh, Kellen, and you know the shot attempts being down, I think that's by design. Obviously, the shooting percentage being down is not by design, and we've all had this feeling since watching Chris Paul play every day as Suns point guard. Man, he can get to that spot on the elbow and hit that shot until he's 75 years old, but that's not happening right now. Tim is of the belief that he's not in the greatest physical shape. Uh, Is that your same assessment, or is he slipping? I'm not sure if I'm willing to go there necessarily, but uh, Vince, I've had the great honor of hearing the great Vince Verona call every every Suns game he's been able to as the PA announcer at Footprint Center. And you have this way when Chris scores his fourth basket in two minutes of just enunciating Chris Paul in this way of like, holy crap, look at this guy, that's Chris Paul. Yeah. But you're just saying Chris you know, Paul is great. It's one of the great things Vinny does. So I'm glad Kellen notices the little things I bring to the job. <laughs> yeah, you know, people need to point it out every now and then. You know, I'm not afraid to schmuck up. Up here every now and then on your own show. I don't care. Usually it's uh, just but, your mother, but your mom and Kellen. That's great. <laughs> Phoenix Suns! 
<laughs> yeah, there he is. Continue See, he, he your brilliance, Kellen. He gets paid the big bucks for a reason. But the reason Vince does that is because, Chris, you guys looked at the numbers and everything. If he would have had 14 points in the game, Vince, but 10 of those points would have been over a four-minute pocket in the early fourth quarter where he did the Chris Paul thing, took over the game for four minutes, and was like, no, you guys aren't going to get this into crunch time. We have control of the game. We're going to win it right now instead of getting it there. Or if the game got to crunch time, he did the Chris Paul thing there. Mm-hmm. Because it, as much as it matters it, that he's Chris Paul and he's the guy who makes his fourth straight All-NBA team this year, I feel like I have to keep reminding everyone he's coming up three straight All-NBA seasons. It, Mm-hmm. As long as he can dominate those little pockets of the game, he's still extremely valuable to this team because that's a skill that almost no one else has in the league. But he hasn't been doing that either. Like yeah. We haven't seen the guy dominate dominate a game or just really bring his scoring for a game, but not even like those little pockets of a game. And once that starts to come back, I think that's when we'll start to be like, okay, he's a point guard still. He's fine. But uh, I'm open to all theories. I, I understand that like physically he doesn't quite look the same. But again, it was nine games, start of the season a bit, and then the, the injury. So I, I'm not willing to throw too many judgments in right now. Okay, yeah, but that's what, that's what I was saying, Kellen. I just I think that he had the injury. I think he was sick at the end of the Maverick series. I think once he plays himself into better physical shape, that jumper is going to come back. And I think by March, uh, we're going to see we're going to see vintage Chris Paul. At least I hope. And if we don't, then we don't. Uh, Kellen, I don't want to. I don't want to bore people, but I'd like to tap into your X's and O's uh, for a bit here because I think you do it uh, damn near better than anybody else. Uh, but I got to go back to Monday night with Doncic. What are you seeing with the Suns uh, with the, defensively? Uh, why do they continue to have problems? Not only defending Doncic, but the trickle down effect with getting out to their shooters. What is going on with their rotations or schematically just the way they're playing the Mavericks because they're letting Luca get his, but they're still letting the other guys get theirs. And it's been a bad recipe uh, really the last four times they've played these guys. What's what's going on or what's not going on? He, he scrambles their brains, Tim, in a way that no one else in the league does. And I would say that he is the toughest cover for them by default just because of the way within their scheme defensively that he seems to throw them off. And what I mean by that is, do you guys remember game three and four in Dallas where I believe it was kind of game three where Luca, it was one of either the passing or the scoring for him was was way too easy. It was just way too easy for the second round of a playoff series, given what we've seen from an excellent defensive team, arguably the best defensive team in the league. Just how easy it was for him to get to one of those elements of his game. And then we went to the next game, and it was the other part. And it was like, no, you guys, you guys just can't be like, okay, you guys can have his playmaking, and he can kick it out for fifteen assists tonight, and they can have fifteen open corner threes tonight, or no, you can't let him just play one-on-one. It has to be a mix of both. And for whatever reason, like dividing up those parts of his game, the driving, the kicking out and playmaking, and then the scoring of him, like dividing those up like 30, 30, 40, and kind of mixing it in, throwing in a variety of defenses, which they do. They don't just stick to one scheme by any means. But it just seems like they're never able to just really nail him down in specific elements of the game over the course of an entire game. And in that game specifically on Monday – that weak side shooter just kept getting open. They kept dropping low. It was Devin Booker a couple of times. One time he got screened out of the play. Another time he was just a step in the wrong direction. And that's the part that I mentioned where at times he makes them look like a young team that is figuring out how to play defense because we watched those terrible 21 Sun teams for a while. We learned what bad defense looks like, and what it looks like is a guy is just completely – 
a step or two in the wrong direction, and then that can just have the entire foundation of a defense fall apart. And, and that's what can happen against a player like Luka. He can make one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league, look like a 20-win team sometimes, yeah. but the Suns are better than that, and that's how you lose a playoff series entirely to, to just one guy, really. like he, he dominated that series completely. He got a lot of help throughout. Of course, it wasn't just him. But the way that he made them just tripled and quadruple think them, outthink <laughs> themselves was, was something to behold. And they've got to figure it out because, look, they could play that guy in the first round or the second round again next year. And, and if they can't figure it out, then he's just going to do the same thing again. And, and they know the problem. And, and maybe that's the biggest problem you're speaking to, Tim, because it's been a couple of games in a row now where it just yeah. seems like he gets the better of them every time. Kellen, great stuff Good as stuff, always. Man. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend.